Hello and welcome back to our daily devotional podcast. Today our passage is about Paul uh, leaving Corinth. Paul had been in Corinth for a year and a half and he had very successful ministry having brought many, many Corinthians to the Lord. But in this passage, we read about the Jews making concerted effort to charge Galileo, to charge Paul. Let's turn now to Acts chapter 18 and we'll read from verse 12 to 17. Let us pray. Father, speak your truths to us that we may understand you better. We may know your ways. We may be in awe of your ways and we may find rest as we trust in you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 18 verse 12 When Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews of Corinth made a united attack on Paul and brought him to the place of judgment. This man, they charged, is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. Just as Paul was about to speak, Gallio said to them, If you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names and your own law, settle the matter yourselves. I will not be a judge of such things. So he drove them off. Then the crowd there turned on Sosthenes, the synagogue leader, and beat him in front of the proconsul, and Gallio showed no concern whatsoever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is a rather strange story about theatrics of the Jews. The Jews had become so desperate in a sense that they were throwing a tantrum. They had finally made a concerted effort after 18 months. Remember, initially they had tried to, they had abused and opposed Paul, and Paul had left them and gone out of the synagogue to preach. And so he was no longer in the synagogue, he was leaving them alone. But I'm sure during the intervening one and a half years, the Jews had been trying ways to, to charge Paul or to get rid of him, but to no avail. And finally, in this passage, they managed to do so. But they were vexatious complaints. As the proconsul said to them, if there was some serious crime or misdemeanor, I would have listened to you. But these are your own internal matters. They are words and names, your own law. It's nothing to do with me. Go and settle the matter yourselves. And he drove them off. This must have been very frustrating for the Jews. And they made one last ditch effort to get the attention of the proconsul. They took their own leader, the leader of the synagogue. It must have changed because earlier on it was a different leader, it was Crispus, and now it's Sosthenes. So they took Sosthenes, the presiding um, synagogue leader, and they beat him up in front of the proconsul. It was a desperate move to get the attention of the proconsul, but Gallio showed no concern whatsoever. It was like, nothing you going to, you do will face me, you're not going to blackmail me, you're not going to force my hand by simply beating your own people. But it brings an interesting thought to me how sometimes we take all sorts of action to twist the hand of those in authority, to force the hand of those in authority. Sometimes we take desperate measures to make our bosses or those 
in authority over us do our bidding. We want to manipulate. We want to manipulate those in authority. Sometimes we even want to manipulate God. It's all about tantrums. Have you seen how your children did it on you when they were very young or you did it on your parents when you were very young? Holding your breath and threatening to die, um, refusing to eat, taking drastic steps to force your parents or to force those in authority to do things. But these are the ways, the desperate ways of the world. But the ways of a Christian are very different because a Christian rests in the faith and the belief that God knows what he's doing, that when he has instituted governments to provide for us, to rule and govern over us, then it is for us to submit to them and know that as we submit to them, we submit to God and know then that God has his way with us. Listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. What he's saying then is that these governments and these human authorities are placed there by God. And we are called to submit ourselves for God's sake, for the Lord's sake, to these human authority. What it implies then is that God is in charge. God is sovereign over these situations. In the past week, we learned about God's macro view and micro view, that he plans for the rise and fall of kingdoms, and yet he also plans for individuals and their lives. And the trust then is that God, through the human government, will govern our lives, will bring good to us. Not simply in a macro way, but in a very detailed individual way. And then we look at Romans chapter 13, and this is what Paul says. Romans chapter 13 verse 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authorities, rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. Now think about this. The Roman government was instituted, was installed by God for our good, for the good of the Jews at that time. It's hard to believe, but this is what Paul is saying, that the government was placed there for their good too, and to accomplish the will of God. There are laws that we balk against, there are laws that we make us uncomfortable. I remember several decades ago when the um, Religious Harmony Act was was uh, instituted. Many of us, many of us Christians felt that that was persecution against the church. We were very indignant, we were upset, we wanted to protest. We 
just didn't want to obey such what we call what we thought at that time was an oppressive law. But what turned out then was a different way of reaching out to people in love. We realized subsequently that the way we had reached people was offensive, was threatening, was not the Christian way we would threaten people with hell, we would insult their religion. We would tell them that they were going to hell if they were Buddhists and Hindus and Muslims. And we were not making friends at all. But worse than that, we were just doing our evangelism and not caring for the lives and the welfare of people. But when we finally submitted to that law, the Religious Harmony Act, we learned many things. We learned that we could love our neighbours, do good for them, acts of kindness, reach out to them. We learned that we could reach out with the gospel that was really good news rather than bad news. It was good news for them. It was about a God who loved them. We learned that it would, was much better to make friends than to make enemies. This law, which we thought was a persecution of, against Christians at that time, turned out to be a blessing for us because it turned our cause to a much better cause, a more Christian cause. We had the same thing in prison as well. When I first joined, there was almost anarchy. Prison was allowed Christian volunteers to do anything they wanted. There was deliverance, ministry, there was exorcism, casting out of demons. There were known exorcists who pranced around, prided themselves as, as almost like powerful people and boldened and they, they were just arrogant people who strutted around in prison casting demons as though they were the heroes of the Christian movement. And then there were the volunteers who did laying of hands and casting of demons and slaying in the spirit. And often volunteers would go into prison with uh, nothing more than the same testimony every week. They were absolutely unprepared. And as a governing body, prison fellowship, we had no clout over them. We had no control. And then we had a new director of prison. This guy was an atheist. When he saw the things that were happening, people being slain, um, volunteers walking in and out of prison without properly preparing the lessons, he put a stop to all of these things. First, he demanded that every volunteer who went in had to submit the curriculum way in advance, weeks in advance. Sometimes it wasn't just the week of that they were coming in, but a full year's or half year's curriculum. That gave us a lot of clout. That allowed us then to prepare a curriculum that would prepare the prisoners for their release, for life with Christ. And it allowed us then to enforce it on our volunteers that they should do come prepared. But at that time, many Christians felt that this was persecution, this was clamping down on the freedom of Christianity, of Christians to do ministry then. They were angry and they protested. But what was more was that this director then forbade the laying of hands, the slaying in the spirit, the casting out of demons. And that really tied our hands. And we protested. I remember going up to talk to the senior officers and telling them they were tying our hands and we couldn't do anything. But the prison was adamant. 
that what we were doing was causing a whole ruckus that couldn't be done in prison. But you know, after all that we had protested as we sat down and took stock of what had happened, we realized that it was God who was in charge, that God had provided beautiful ways for us. As I mentioned first then, first then we were forced to prepare curriculum. No longer could our volunteers just walk in and do whatever they liked. We had to be an organized group with proper curriculum, with proper ways of teaching. We had to train our volunteers. And much as that was very hard, it turned out so much for the better for the prisoners. But by stopping us from slaying people in the spirit and laying hands, it also got rid of all the self-made exorcists. Now nobody could lay hands and have manifestations and act like they were heroes. All we could do was to sit down with our hands on our left knees. We found that even in those ways, God could cast out demons. We found out that as we gathered in a circle and we prayed for each person, demons would quietly just leave as, as a breath. We could smell it, we could hear it, but it was just a whoosh. And the demons left the persons. We found out then that we didn't have need, need to have heroes putting hands and shouting and screaming at demons. All we needed to do was to sit in circle, not even touching another prisoner. And then we would ask that God would deliver each person from the grips of the evil spirit. And evil spirits left. What seemed to be an oppressive law turned out to be a wonderful thing, a blessing from God. We learned then that while we were very often uncomfortable with policies, with the law, it was and they were from God to help us to advance in the work that God had sent us for. Right now, it's about the restrictions on COVID-19. And honestly, I've been very disappointed because my plans were to start a second service. My plans was, was to expand the church. My plan was to do lots of outreach. But because of COVID-19 and all the restrictions, we are stuck. But I've learned too that God allows these things that he will push us steps further to reach for something even more. And so now I'm learning to be still and asking God, well, God, what is it for us? You have restricted us, you have tied our hands, and surely you've tied our hands that we may grow even stronger. You haven't tied our hands that we will atrophy and we will eventually die. Rather, you have closed some doors that we may find doors that were always been open, that we never dared venture into. And so we pray, we ask that God will show us how this church can go further in ministry with these restrictions. But it's the same for all our lives too. As I say, God plans our lives not only in a macro way, but in a very micro way, individually. You may be in a very tough situation now, your job and you can't move and you feel very stuck. And you have prayed and you have asked God to help you and right now you're just frustrated. Sometimes you just want to fight fight back. But before you do that, pause and ask God why he has placed you in this situation. 
as though your hands and your feet have been tied. Has he called that you may find new ways of doing things, powerful ways, ways that will set you free? Pause and ask God to show you what plans he has for you in the difficult situations that he has placed you. Let me now lead you in a time of prayer. Perhaps you see yourself very constrained by your bosses, frustrated by their indifference or by the unreasonable demands. You don't know what to do next. Pause now and say to God, God, I feel very stuck. I feel like leaving, but I can't either. I feel like I am caged in. But God, as I come to you silently, open my eyes to see the possibilities that you have placed before me. That even in the situation that I find myself, you have you want to lead me to new paths, to new areas of ministry or new areas of work and to prosper me. Help me to see your ways. It could also be in your marriage that you're going through a very, very difficult time and you feel so stuck. Pause now and ask God to show you what plans he has that you may follow him one step at a time. God doesn't need us to throw tantrums. God doesn't need us to get desperate in our action with others. God calls us to be still and to allow Him to show us His ways, the ways that He has provided for us. Let us pray. Almighty God, You are sovereign over all things. You are you have determined the times of nations, their boundaries, their borders, their futures. You are in charge of the rise and fall of nations, of corporations, of organizations. And God, you have instituted them also for our good, not only in general, but even for the detailed de plans of our lives. So God, we ask that you teach us to trust you. That even in the situations that are unfavourable, where we see our plans dashed, where we are disappointed, gravely disappointed, help us, Lord, to know that your plans for us are still there and they're beautiful and you will bring us to those plans. But teach us, Lord, to submit to you and to submit to those in authority and to know that through those in authority, the work that you have given us will prosper. Give us that sense of peace, we pray, as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well then, thank you and have a wonderful week ahead. God bless you. Goodbye.